Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Kimberly Pfeiffer. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus to the Enneagram, and more specifically, Type 9s. We're grateful to have with us today Jill Laskowitz, an attorney at Blakinger Thomas. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome, Jill. Glad you're here with us. Before I ask you some questions around the Enneagram and Type 9s, let me first give give our listeners a quick overview of the system of the Enneagram and of Type 9s. The Enneagram is an ancient system that identifies nine personality types as a gateway to self-awareness and understanding others. It is a tool to understand and explain human behavior, looking at the motivations underneath those behaviors. Really, it's the why of what we do. What I love about the Enneagram is that it can help bring our unconscious habits, patterns, and motivations into our consciousness, basically into our awareness, where we can then choose to become healthier. Not only does it help us have this self-awareness as an individual, but ultimately it helps us begin to have this awareness of others and their motivations, which allows us to be more compassionate towards them. Today we are focusing on the Enneagram Nines, the peacemaker. These are easygoing, self-effacing types who are receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and at their lower levels can be complacent. They are salt-of-the-earth people who will give you the shirt off their back. They are calm and able to see all sides of an issue, but often find it hard to get going and make decisions when they are needed. If you're wondering about some well-known nines, they are Walt Disney, Whoopi Goldberg, Carlos Santana, Abraham Lincoln, Mr. Rogers, Audrey Hepburn, Morgan Freeman, and Janet Jackson. So, Jill, you are lumped in a group with Mr. Rogers, which I think is pretty awesome. (laughs) Me too. So why don't you um, first tell me a little bit about what it was like learning about being a nine and then maybe how you've seen some of that show up in your life. So I think I felt kind of a wide range of emotions when I first heard the description of a nine, um, and I kind of focused a little bit more on some of the more negative things about being a nine um, at first. And honestly thought, like, let's just keep this a secret and not tell my colleagues <laughs> and my uh, clients that because I'm an attorney, I'm a litigator. And so I'm literally dealing with adversarial situations all day, every day. Um, and so it's like, you know, maybe I'm not really self-aware um, here. But I think as I've thought through it more, I can see that it actually makes a lot of sense that, you know, really what I'm doing all day is helping people resolve conflicts. And so I might have a slightly different personality type or different approach to doing that, but it feels natural for me to to try and de-escalate tension. Um, And in a lot of situations, I think that that's what actually is needed for people. Um, And so I also think I've probably started going into areas of the law. I do a lot of family law, for example, where that skill set is particularly helpful when people are dealing with divorce, child custody, things like that, where... um, nobody is served by scorching the earth, you know, and people want to be heard, they're angry, they're furious. And so you have to sort of let them feel those feelings, but then help them 
see that like actually you want to work with the other side and resolve your issues as opposed to um you know making things worse for everybody in the end so um that's uh i'm gonna pause you right there because that's such a gift that a nine brings to the world you know really this place of being so good at being diplomatic and really a great mediator and um the other piece i love that i have learned about nines and i've honestly seen this in almost every nine I've worked with here at Work Wisdom, we say that they just have this gift of having a non-anxious presence. And it's funny because I tell nines that and they'll be like, that's weird because I feel so much anxiety inside. (laughs) And yet on the outside, you have this presence about you that's just comforting. It's calm. It's peaceful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's enjoyable to be around nines because of that. And yet their their inner place is, I have so much anxiety going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that for you and for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, there are times when I feel like I'm kind of like on hyper aware of my surroundings or like on hyper vigilant, I guess, Mm. um, just feeling like, okay, is everybody happy? Is uh, like, okay, how's that person reacting? Like I'll, I just feel like I pick up on things. I don't know if other people pick up on them or not, but like, I feel like it's my responsibility to try and make sure everybody's okay. And so I think that can, I know you and I discussed that nines can be low energy or can get exhausted. Um, so I can feel after a situation where, especially where I've been in a big group of people that it's just like, I just, I now need to take a break from this. It's like, I need to be by myself now so that I don't have to be so focused on everybody around me. But I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that people feel, it's actually funny because I listened to the eight, your eight podcast, which is the more, the challenging personality and mm-hmm. um, to try and prepare for this. And both of them had said that people describe them as being intimidating that, and that that was something that they were trying to avoid or work away from. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I would love for somebody to tell me that I intimidated them. <laughs> That's your goals in That's, life. Yeah, it's like, oh, I should just like march around with my briefcase, you know, <laughs> how do I become intimidating? But it's like, Okay, that's not going to work for me. So it's a, it's a good thing to have people feel comfortable. I think people feel like they can open up to me um, yeah. and things like that. So I need to just focus on my strengths and 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 realize that they're strengths and they're not necessarily something that everybody has. I guess. Yeah, yeah, but you do bring up a good point, specifically about the Enneagram sort of as a system. The the beauty of it is the point is for you to be able to go to other numbers and get behaviors that um, might help you to, you know, bring up some balance or some levels of health. And so, you know, I maybe wouldn't even shy away from that. How do I go to an eight and maybe be a little bit more intimidating? (laughs) Um, Maybe for you, it's more accessible from a three because a nine has a really strong connection with both a three, the achiever, and a six, the loyalist. And I, I do remember, I think we talked about this before, what could it look like for you to go to the three and tap into some of that achieving, like, I'm just going to go after my goals and I'm going to be aggressive and mm-hmm. um, some of that, like, fake it till you feel it mentality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's re- I'm really glad you brought up that point because that's helpful for people to remember. Really, we want to be going to other numbers and getting behaviors that can bring health to our home base, to our type. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, well, let me give you a chance to respond to any of that if you want. Yeah. It's interesting to think about, cause I think I would have, one of the things that I really bristled at when you were initially describing the peacemaker to me was the idea of complacency or I've read about slothfulness. It's like, <laughs> well, that's not me. Um, you know, my husband is like, I can't even talk to you without you folding laundry or like emptying the dishwasher or something, you know? Um, so it, it can be, 
yeah, I, and I guess maybe the way that, that that's viewed is that, like, it's so important to maintain the peace that you will avoid uh, holding people to a higher standard or calling them out, maybe. Maybe that's the way that complacency comes into place. But, yeah, because I think of myself as being more determined and goal-oriented, so maybe that's some of the, some of the three. Um, and even just talking about dealing with conflict in my work environment, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, that it's almost like there's a set of rules in my work environment where it's like it's expected that there's going to be a certain level of uh, um, a certain amount of a fight between the two sides or whatever so what's the word I'm looking for like mm, I, like you, conflict you know you know that you're going to be an adversary you know you're trying to have a position that's opposite to what the other person is arguing but because I don't feel like I'm risking personal relationships in that situation it it feels more comfortable for me to deal with it and maybe it's almost like an outlet for me to deal with to you know to be more assertive whereas when I'm in personal relationships or like non-professional settings I was trying to think of a situation where I would feel like it was worth it for me to speak up on an issue if I thought that it was going to put the relationship in danger and like I can't really think of examples where I've done that not I wish that I wish that I could be more assertive sometimes, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's like okay, well, in my work setting, I can I can write a brief and and argue another person's side. I I feel totally comfortable doing that because I don't think that there's no risk to a personal relationship there. Whereas, um, it, just in reading about peacemakers, they talk about having a fear of losing connections with people and stuff, and that's definitely to me that would be like the most devastating thing would be to have like a relationship end mm-hmm. you know that yeah. that's just something that I don't want to happen in my life you yeah, know yeah um, so I think that's it makes sense to me that that a big part of my motivation is maintaining peace in, yeah. my, in my life and in my relationships yeah and that's so interesting to hear you talk about how you're more easily able to tap into the assertiveness you know, maybe even a little bit of that aggressiveness if you need to at work. But when it comes to your own personal relationships, that's where it's hard when it's more intimate in your personal life. Mm-hmm. I'd be so curious to hear if other nines have that same experience that they can kind of tap into it in their work environment, but have a harder time in their personal um, environment in life. Yeah. Um, let me, I do want to back up because you mentioned this about nines and you feeling like you have such low energy sometimes. And mm-hmm. of all nine types, of all nine numbers, nines have the least amount of energy. And I love sharing this with nines because I find that a lot of them have sort of carried this level of shame with them throughout mm-hmm. their life that they might need to pull away from others or they maybe need to take a nap or they're exhausted by the end of the day. They can't keep hanging out, you know, with, right. in social situations. Yeah. And so I think that's so important for nines to know that mm-hmm. um, because, again, we've said this before on this podcast, we can't change how we see, but we can change what we do with how we see. So mm-hmm. you can't change that you will always be the type that has the lowest level of energy. But now knowing that, what might you be able to do differently to be able to kind of make it through your days in a way that feels healthy for you? Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I think when I started having children, um, you know, naturally you you get into much more of a regimented, or at least for me, my life became much more regimented because it was like, you know, the baby needs to go to bed at this time. The baby takes a nap at this time. And it was really nice for me to sort of have that ex- excuses. Seems like a weird word, but it's like, 
I'm asserting, I'm asserting this on behalf of my baby. We need to go home now so that she can go to bed or whatever. But it's like, well, this is kind of nice. I can actually relax now. I don't feel like I have to, I, I don't enjoy staying out like really late at night and things like that. And, and honestly, like, I think most people reach a certain point in their life where that ends to some extent. But yeah, I think just by virtue of that change and becoming a parent and being building in those sort of quiet times for myself or even if we go on vacation with family or anything like that it's like you know my my son I have a four-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter but he still takes naps so it's kind of like okay there will be like a little break where I can go back to the room and sit quietly by myself or yeah we go to we're going to go back to the room by eight and I can have a little bit of time to myself so that's been just like having that time to regroup is very important to me Mm -hmm. and so I've yeah even when they're at the point where they don't need that anymore I think I now can say that I I still need that time and maybe I didn't recognize that before. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a place as I was, you know, thinking about talking with you today. I thought I really want to touch with Jill on the withdrawn stance and I'll be able to enter into the conversation with you because I'm a four and part of that. So for our listeners, let me give a quick little background. Um, So stances is just a way of grouping common numbers together um, that have common sort of ways of being. And so when we think of the word stance, think of the way that you stand in the world. It's sort of how you orient in the world, particularly even maybe in social groups or situations. And so for the withdrawn stance, the fours, the individualist, the fives, the investigator observer, and the nines, the peacemaker, are all in this withdrawn stance. And so these three numbers really, they have a really rich, deep interior life going on. And so they stand in the world by orienting themselves inward to these rich, deep inner life. Uh, They really orient towards their own inner systems. And so what that can look like, which you are speaking to so beautifully, is I actually need to take a break from all these people or all this activity and I need to go perhaps be alone and process and be able to orient inward. Um, Or it could be that you're in a meeting and you actually just sort of need to check out. You're physically there, but you just sort of need to turn in and check in with your inner systems. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find stance work and stances to be some of the biggest places where we can learn how to deal with others, whether mm-hmm. that be a partner, a spouse, friends, or particularly coworkers. When we're in different stances, this is where we can sometimes bump heads. And so I just wanted to touch a little bit about that with you, um, because like I said, I'm also in the, within the withdrawn stance. And one of the places that withdrawn stances really need to kind of do some work is in bringing up what we call your repressed doing. So each stance is repressed in either thinking, feeling, or doing. So the withdrawn stance is repressed in doing. So this repressed in doing doesn't mean that four, fives, and nines aren't doers. They tend to be really big doers, actually doing a lot, especially the nine. You are in the doing center. It really means that we're often not doing what's appropriate um, or sort of asking yourself that question, is what I'm doing what's needed right now, what's appropriate right now? And what can happen for the withdrawn stance and particularly nines is sort of getting lost in trivial tasks Mm -hmm. versus being like, this is what's needed right now and I'm gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love to hear you talk on that if if you have any examples. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
that resonates with me. I think like I was joking earlier about constantly doing laundry or emptying the dishwasher. Like I will literally find myself, it's like, there's no laundry to do. What what am I supposed to do? I've got five <laughs> minutes, um, which sounds ridiculous. Um, yeah. But yeah, even at, I think something that I've come to realize about myself is that like I, I need people to help me in ways that I can't figure out on my own. So like, for example, coming to work wisdom, I going about my career, I'm, I'm doing the work that I need to do and things like that. But I'm, I wasn't necessarily able to say like, okay, what's my strategy for marketing myself? What's, what am I trying to, what area of the law am I trying to grow in? And how am I trying to put myself out there in terms of um, what my identity is in the community, like those types of things. But it's like, I could try and read a 1000 books about it. Like I, I, a way that I, I need somebody to coach me through that to some extent. And so it's like, okay, I can make an appointment with Work Wisdom. They're going to put appointments on my calendar. I will go to them. And I found that to be very helpful. Um, something else that I can't get through this without mentioning, and my friends are going to be like, here she goes again, um, <laughs> is that I'm like obsessed with Marie Kondo. <laughs> I yes. think I told you this. I'm, I really wonder how many peacemakers out there are like, and actually I think she is a nine because I was like Googling some stuff last night to prepare. I'm like, oh, is my girl a nine? You know? <laughs> um, but so basically, if you're not familiar with her system, it's like a system for going through all of your belongings in your home and assessing them one by one to see if they bring you joy and discarding them if they don't. And things like that. And so something that I locked into with that is that like, I would feel like every weekend I was like cleaning out my closet. Like, why am I cleaning out my closet again? And I'm never done. And I just had this desire to, and and honestly, it makes sense to think that I was trying to create a peaceful environment for myself also. Mm. Um, So when I found her book, it's like, she's telling me exactly what to do step by step. And at the end, you're going to feel a sense of peace in your surroundings, a sense of control, over what you're surrounding yourself with. And also I think it can be very hard for me to make decisions. And so part of the process is that like going through step by step, like, oh, do I wanna keep this shirt? Do I wanna keep this card that like my grandma gave me five years ago? Whatever, you know, every little thing that you go through, you become more um, confident in your decision-making. And it's, the idea also is that at the end of it, you look at the stuff around you, it's like, oh, this is what's important to me. Cause I've, um, I think I talked to you in the past about f- having a little bit of an identity crisis. Sometimes I think as a peacemaker, you, or I'm recognizing now that it's f- a common thing for a peacemaker to not latch on to other people. But if other people are very passionate about something, I can easily say like, well, that makes sense. I'm interested in that, you know, and you can come to a point where you're like, well, what, what is motivating me? Like what, what's my agenda for myself? And I'm not great at planning things out for myself. So I'm kind of, talking all around your question here. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I guess uh, I, I have identified that it's hard for me to execute, to create a plan for myself and execute it without help. Um, and if I can find something that tells me very concretely, step-by-step, step, follow these processes and you'll try, help achieve your goal, that's something that I will latch on to because I feel like I need that. 
Yeah, yeah. You just spoke so beautifully to withdrawn stance, and and you gave multiple examples of how that could show up in your life. Um, I do know one of the ones we talked about for four, fives, and nines is this: How do you have routines, particularly for nines? How do you have routines in your life? Because you will get consumed and lost in the trivial tasks, mm-hmm. and often, you know, if there was a list of ten things to do on your to-do list today, as a nine, you most likely won't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. You are have a hard time prioritizing, and so you're like, oh, I'll just do this one, even though it might really not need to get done. Mm-hmm. It's hard for you. And so I love hearing that you have realized about yourself you need help with that and you need support with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also things like time management we've talked about. And I know, again, this is where the withdrawn stands as a four. I'm part of that. For me, that comes up where if I don't have on my calendar, this is when I'm grocery shopping, this is when I'm doing laundry, mm-hmm. I won't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get lost in my thinking and lost in my feeling and sort of consumed with that. And just plain don't do what is necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've also talked maybe a little bit about cooking, where I could <laughs> read all the books there are on cooking. Right. I could think about it. I could feel, gosh, it would feel so nice to eat this food and then have a bowl of cereal. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. And so for both of us, our work is bringing up our repressed doing. So not um, that we don't do a ton, but asking ourselves, is this what's needed? Is this what's appropriate? And then having those tools in place to help us, whether it's time management tools or coaches or Mm -hmm. other supports um, to help with that. And as you were talking, something else I've realized about myself is I, I need deadlines for that same reason. Um, and one nice thing about my job is that it's very deadline oriented. It's like, okay. you, you, you know, you have to file a response to this brief within 30 days. You have to f- answer discovery within this period of time. You, you know, it's like there's some external source that is requiring me to do something by a certain day. Mm-hmm. And I know that I need that or else if, if I had something that like... I'm trying to imagine myself like trying to write a thesis or something or something academic where I feel like I would just go on and on and on into infinity. So it's good for me to have deadlines in my Mm -hmm. career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, You also mentioned this piece of identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to highlight that, again, for a nine, you, um, of all the numbers, actually have the least sense of self. And if you remember before in our debrief, we talked about Um, your wound as a nine that again as a small child you pick this up regardless of your environment regardless of your caregivers they could have been wonderful and healthy Mm -hmm. or very unhealthy and it really doesn't matter you would have picked this message up essentially that it's not okay to assert myself Mm -hmm. Um, that my presence doesn't really matter and so therefore you've really spent a lifetime learning to minimize yourself Mm-hmm. And I have heard you say that a couple times throughout, like it's hard to assert yourself or it might even be hard to make decisions. I'd rather just, okay, someone else decide to do that. All right, we'll do that today. I'll just mm-hmm. kind of go along with that mm-hmm. where you really can lose touch of this sense of self. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I was just wondering how you might see that show up for you in your life. Yeah, I have. I mean, that's actually part of the reason I wanted to come to Work Wisdom also was because I had known somebody who had gone through the executive coaching program. And I remember him saying that, like, one of the things that you did was identify your core values. And so I had sort of been feeling like I was blowing in the wind a little bit in terms of, like, 
what are the what are what's my north star like how am i making decisions about how i spend my time and and even struggling with prioritizing it's like i i can feel like i'll look back at a week and be like what did i do that i was intentional about doing to achieve my own goals for myself or for my family or whatever so yes i and that's i think that's another thing going back to the marie kondo process is for me like not having a ton of stuff around me helps me see what I what my preferences are. And um, you had mentioned earlier about nines being like a body focused or whatever, like having gut feelings about something. Like part of that process, it's like literally like when I pick up this sweater, I, I either feel good about it or I feel like I physically feel good. I feel a spark of happiness or I feel like, no, I don't. This makes me uncomfortable or whatever. Yeah. So it's like that has helped me sort of visualize like what am I looking for out of life? There are a lot of times when I feel like I honestly don't have a preference, you know, just as like a little example of like, where are we going to go to dinner or, you know, like that type of a thing. There are a lot of times when like, I really don't feel like I have a strong preference. And so I don't mind going along with if somebody else does, um, that's fine with me to go along with that or whatever. But it's been interesting, even just sort of going through this self-identification process or whatever. It's like, I do have a preference. My preference is to avoid conflict. (laughs) You know, it's just been sort of, it's like, maybe that is my identity. Maybe it's okay that that's what I prefer and it's what makes me feel best. I'm not suggesting that that is always the way that I should go with decision making, but there's there's actually something kind of, it's kind of a relief to just be like, it's not that I have no identity and I have no preference. I have a preference. It's to like, feel like my life is calm and tranquil and that like my relationships are positive you know, that is a preference for me. Yeah, that's such a great way of looking at it. And again, not taking the Enneagram and shaming yourself for any of these things, but saying, actually, this is a strength of mine. I am a good peacemaker. You know, I'm bringing peace in my life and those I love. And I want to, um, you know, strengthen that and, and use that. And also be mindful of could this at times be me minimizing myself or could yeah. this at times be unhealthy but being able to hold the both and mm-hmm. which nines are excellent you have you are excellent both and people being able to see this gray area mm-hmm. so that feels like a really good place to honor your peacemaking abilities and say at times are they being expressed in unhealthy ways mm-hmm. Um, but hearing that it brings a sense of freedom sounds like that's probably something you should pay attention to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And follow. Yeah. So I'll ask you as we wind down with our time together and come to the end of the podcast, um, I'm just wondering if there is something that you wish you could tell others about nines that you would just want others to know. Yeah. So something that I've been thinking about, um, I'm, involved with a local board and I'm the board chair. And so it's been more of a leadership position that I've had as an adult than, than what I've had in my career. Um, and so I find myself a lot of times when I'm faced with questions, my natural, like the first place that I start is wanting to reach out to other people on the board, like other people who are on the executive committee, for example, and get their opinions on things. And I think sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm doing that because I don't know what to do which is a negative way to look at it. Um, but I found that I, I just always feel like we arrive at a better result as a, you know, because we've pulled in the ideas and thoughts of so many different people. And I respect those people and feel safe and secure reaching out to them and not feeling like they're going to be like, well, why don't you just decide and be decisive, you know? 
But I think, you know, you were talking about judging yourself. I think sometimes it's like, well, I'm not sure what to do, so I'm going to go ask the people who do know what to do. But to sort of look at it in a more positive way, it's like I want to tap into the knowledge of as many people as possible who I know are on my side and have the same goal that I do in terms of doing what's best for the organization. Um, And honestly, I do that at work a lot, too. I mean, when I have a situation with a client, I'll talk to other people that I trust and get their opinion and... I I never feel like I'm worse off for having done it, you know? So I guess I would just suggest that if, if, if you're like me and you feel like, oh, I should be more decisive or I should be more confident, it's like, it's not a bad thing to tap into, to the experience of people around you because I'm starting to view it as a positive thing as opposed to a negative. Yeah. That really is a gift that you bring to the world. This making space for others and asking others thoughts and opinions and, and bringing it all together. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Jill. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. We are all out of time. Um, For more information about the system of the Enneagram and where some of our information came from today, check out work by Suzanne Stabile and the Enneagram Journey podcast, Beatrice Chestnut, Riso and Hudson from the Enneagram Institute, Hunter Mobley, and Helen Palmer of the Narrative Tradition. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist, and we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions, ask questions, and make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a one-minute wisdom. Today's piece comes from author Andrew Harvey. Whenever a man or woman awakes, he awakes from the false assumption that he has always been awake, and therefore the master of his thoughts feelings, and actions.